Good morning. Today's scripture is taken from 1 Thessalonians and Colossians. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They are simply human commands and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-imposed piety, humility, and severe treatment of the body, but they are of no value in checking self-indulgence. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices, and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, But Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you for the 
beautiful reading of the scripture this morning. And again, thank you all for the music. It's good to be able to uh, stand and sing once again in this service of worship. That's been a, a strong step forward, and I'm grateful for that and uh, grateful for this time together. I want to continue this six-part series on major Methodist and now United Methodist beliefs and doctrines. And today I want to take a look at sanctification, the pursuit of holiness. We started this with looking at the authority of Scripture and why that's important to us. We talked about God's love for all persons. Last week we talked about justification by faith. And today we think about sanctification. In preparing these sermons and reviewing a lot of this material, it's helped me. It's helped my confidence and my belief in who I am as a United Methodist Christian. And I hope it's been beneficial and helpful for you as well to review what we believe, to maybe learn a few new things along the way. I encounter folks sometimes, brothers and sisters who are of other denominations and Christian traditions, and they'll often begin to talk about their beliefs, and they'll say, well, I'll say, I'm United Methodist. They'll say, well, I'm this, this, or this. But there really is not much difference, is there? And uh, I say, well, we have more things in common than we disagree about. But there are some differences, and it helps to know what we believe, and it helps to be gracious in our conversations with folks who see things differently than we do. It's not always one of those, well, I have to be right, and therefore you are wrong kind of things. John Wesley had much to say about that, and perhaps on another day we can uh, can talk about that and think about his gracious spirit. He called it the Catholic spirit, universal spirit, toward those who saw things differently and how it's important that we agree on essentials, but it's okay to disagree on what he would consider non-essentials. But that's a conversation perhaps for another day, important conversation though it is. But I want us to think about sanctification and the point at time in which a person is justified by faith, and we talked last week about that, justification being just as if we had never sinned, that initial time when we invite Christ into our hearts and we make that connection with God, and we begin a lifelong pursuit of holiness, a quest for God's Spirit, a quest for the loving qualities of Christ to become our qualities as well in the way we relate to one another in the church and in the community and beyond. We enter into that new relationship and we grow up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is a movement, a lifelong movement toward holiness, toward doing those things that would please God, toward learning to love one another. It's achieved through prayer and Bible study and the sacraments and personal morality and outreach to those who are hurting and broken. It's achieved as we stand up to evil and oppression in this world, and they are evident today and always have been, if we're honest. But most of all, it's achieved through faith. Faith is the only requirement for justification, for coming into a relationship with Christ. And faith is the requirement. It's the key toward sanctification, toward our lifelong growing up in Christ and becoming more and more as he is. 
good works or the byproducts along the way. And with Wesley, modern Methodists affirm that from the moment we are justified, there is sanctification, there is a growing in grace. There is a daily advance in the knowledge and love of God. And exactly as we are justified by faith, we are sanctified by faith. We move to become more and more as our creator is. And that image of God is restored in us. So let's take a little more detailed look at sanctification now by answering a few other questions. And we do this not in great detail, for certainly we don't have time for that. And there's so much more that that could be said. Is sanctification a process and when does it begin? Is there an instantaneous aspect to it or... Is it certainly a lifelong thing? What about the role of faith? And what does it mean to be justified and to grow in that justification? And if I'm unclear at certain points along the way, as I can be sometimes, please feel free to let me hear from you. I'm pretty easy to get hold of, and I would love to talk about these things further with any of you who might have an interest or might have a question. So what is it to be sanctified? Do you remember last week we talked about justification by faith? And I referred to that annual conference, the first annual conference, which was at the Foundry in London in 1744 during the month of June. And at the same annual conference in that same month of June, later on, the particulars were talked about. John and Charles Wesley were there and others. And this whole doctrine of sanctification that's been so important to who we are as United Methodist people was talked about. Questions were raised. What does it mean to be sanctified? And the answer was given to be renewed in the image of God in righteousness and in true holiness. We recall we are created in God's image. But sin and brokenness and a wandering from God distort that image and it's difficult to see and we are restoring, God is restoring that image in us as we move through this time of sanctification. A lifelong thing. Have you heard the the story that I stumbled across about the portrait of Dante painted upon the walls of Bartolo in France and for many years... It was supposed that that picture had completely disappeared. People heard about it. Nobody had ever seen it. Folks heard about it. No living people understood it. But presently, there came along an artist, and it was his intention to restore that picture. And the room where it was, first of all, had to be cleared out. It was a storehouse for lumber and straw. And the walls had been whitewashed, and they had since become very, very dirty and and very stained. And he had all the heaps of rubbish carried away. He had all the whitewash and all the other stuff washed off the walls. And lines and colors that had long disappeared began to reappear. And at last, the grave, lofty, noble face of the great poet looked out again upon the world of light. The restoration, the removing of all of those layers that had destroyed that original image. And now it was there once again. And there's another, another story about a photographer. And this was back in the old days, obviously, before digital cameras and all that sort of thing. But an old picture was brought to him, an old family picture. Someone wanted to know if restoration was possible. It was very difficult to tell what the picture was about. It becomes so faded and so corroded, corroded that no one could distinguish the features. So he took this apparently useless likeness 
into his workroom. He poured over it a certain solution. He exposed it to a great heat. And the image was restored. And if an earthly photographer can restore a distorted and faded image like that, how much more can our God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, restore that image of God in us and in our hearts, individually and and together as God's church, the image of God restored? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians in the passage that was read earlier, But now you must get rid of all these things, anger, passion, hateful feelings, no insults or obscene talk must ever come from your lips. Do not lie to one another, for if you have put off the old self with its habits and have put on the new self, this is the new being which God, its creator, is constantly renewing in his own image in order to bring one to a full knowledge of God's self to be sanctified, to be made over, to be recreated in the image of our creator. Not always something that happens in the blink of an eye. So is sanctification a process and when does it begin? At that second annual conference that I referenced a little while ago held at Bristol in August of 1745, a long time ago, sanctification was spoken of at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Friday the 2nd. The question was asked, when does inward sanctification begin? And the answer was given, at that time when one is justified, the seed of every virtue is instantaneously sown in the soil. It doesn't come to full blossom and full growth, but it's sown there. And then the lifetime, we live it out and it begins to grow. The believer gradually dies to sin and grows in grace. The sin remains in them, yes, the seed of all sin, till we are sanctified in spirit, soul, and body. Now certainly this answer points to sanctification as a process, as a growth process to be more precise, the spiritual growing up. And Wesley compared this spiritual growing up to that of a child in in the womb, a child in the mother's womb, he said, has eyes but cannot see, has ears but cannot hear. And the use of its other senses are not fully developed. But as they are born and as they begin to grow, all of these things come into being and and become a part of who that child is. And it parallels in most instances, he said, the spiritual and religious state. As we are born and born anew and born again in Jesus the Christ through his power, through the Holy Spirit. All of these things, all of these seeds that were sown in us begin to grow and to sprout and that image of God is restored in us once more. So much of our United Methodist theology is expressed in our hymnody, the hymns that we sing. Charles Wesley, a gifted and prolific hymn writer, in the hymn that we began this service with, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. And David and I were talking about that and and it was sung to a slower tune this morning, come that long expected Jesus tune, so that we could think about each word and each phrase there. And if you're looking for a condensed version, if you're looking for a Reader's Digest version of what sanctification is all about, then read through this hymn once again. If you have a hymnal, that's good. If not, you can look up the words and it points us 
toward what sanctification is all about, changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place. That's a beautiful poetic description. Charles Wesley had a way with words and with music till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Be careful of folks who think they've got it all, who think they've made it, who think there's nothing else to learn about this faith, and they've reached a position where they can pass judgment on others. Be careful. Love them, but be careful. Sometimes the growth process is slow. You've seen that little plaque. I've not seen it recently. For a while, it was a very popular refrigerator magnet kind of thing or the little button that people would wear on their clothing. And it would say, be patient. God is not finished with me yet. But if we submit ourselves to the leading of God's spirit, we find that not only does God go with us, but God has gone before us all the way. Sarah was a little girl and she was about to make her first cross-country trip several years ago. And she was starting out with some anxiety to cross this beautiful land of ours. She realized there were rivers and there were canyons and how would she get across all of those things? And then as she began the journey, it dawned on her and she was delighted as only a child can be delighted. And she said, would you look at that? Somebody has gone before us and built bridges all the way. God goes before us. God has built bridges. We're called to follow in this growing up. And then the story of a missionary, a young guy who was offered a fabulous salary to go to work for an oil company. He had the skills that this company was looking for. He was very diplomatic. He got along well with people. Very polished, spoke very well, understood the different languages that were involved. And so they offered him a job. One of the women in the company, one of the executives, offered him a job making more money in a week than he made in his current job as a missionary in a year. And uh, she wanted to get him. She told the board, I think I can get this young guy. So she went to him and she offered the job to him. The salary, more than than he could comprehend. (laughs) But he said, no, I really don't want the job. And she said, what? Is the money not enough? We, we can talk about that. You don't want the job? He said, no, no, no. The salary is plenty big enough. But the job isn't big enough. That kind of, how, have you ever heard anybody say something like that? A missionary, one called to share the good news. A wonderful offer, but growing in his faith in such a way that he wanted more challenges. And as we grow in our faith and this sanctification process comes along, we are faced with more challenges individually and as a church. But do we continue to grow? Do we continue to call on the power of God's Holy Spirit? So let me begin now to try to sum up sanctification as a process by referring again to some of the words of Father John, John Wesley, our, our founder in a sense, though our real founder was the Holy Spirit. In an essay, he called it the scriptural way of salvation. And he wrote these words in 1765. 
From the time of our being born again, the gradual work of sanctification takes place, he said. We are enabled by the Spirit to mortify the deeds of the body of our evil natures, and as we are more and more dead to sin, we are more and more alive to God. We go on from grace to grace. So is there an instantaneous aspect of sanctification? Wesley replies in answer to that question, the act of faith wherein perfection, which is the goal of sanctification, and we'll talk about that in a, in a few weeks, what perfection means in our tradition, doesn't mean we're mistake-free, but there's another aspect to it. When that's finally wrought in the soul, does it come in a moment? He said, yes, often, just as justification does, but it may be difficult to define that moment, to point that moment out, but we know that God begins that work in us, and then the gradual work proceeds, so that sanctification as a whole, and I've used the word a lot today, and I want us to hang on to that, it's a process. It's a growing in grace, and it begins when we open our heart to Christ. So what role does faith play? And the essay by Wesley that we mentioned previously, the scripture way of salvation, he asks and answers this question. But do you believe we are sanctified by faith? We know you believe that we are justified by faith, but do you believe and accordingly teach that we are sanctified by our works? In responding to his own question, he emphatically says, I have continually testified in private and in public that we are sanctified as well as justified by faith. And indeed, the one of those great truths does exceedingly illustrate the other. Exactly as we are justified by faith, so we are sanctified by faith. Exactly as it is with justification. And the process continues. And the good works come from that process. They are not what leads us to God. But the more and more that image of God is restored in us, the more and more we want to be in ministry and mission with God's people. Even those people who sometimes frighten us and offend us, we are able, by the grace of God, to reach out and to learn from them as well. 1924, George Lee Mallory, you may recognize that name, in a party of Englishmen, attempted to scale Mount Everest. And after enduring several hardships, they reached a base camp at 25,000 feet. And from this point, two of them struck out to, to reach the summit, but their heroic attempt failed. Today, Mallory and his companion Irvine lie buried beneath the eternal snows of that Himalayan peak. Their colleagues returned to England. They wanted to tell the story about what had happened. And one of them is reported to have addressed, have addressed a large congregation, a large crowd in, in London. And he stood before a screen on which was shown an enlarged photograph of Mount Everest. And after he had described the difficulties and the tragedies of this expedition, the man turned and he spoke. To that picture of the mountain. Everest, he said, we tried to conquer you once, but you defeated us. And we tried to conquer you a second time, and again, you were too much for us. But Everest, I want you to know that we are going to conquer you, for you cannot grow any bigger, but we can. 
Where are we in this process of sanctification? Where are we in wanting to make a difference with all the hurt and brokenness and turmoil in our hearts and in our world, in our growing up as Christians, in our pursuit of holiness? We can grow bigger. And the image of the creator can be perfectly restored in the heart of the creature. Amen.